because what I'm like still learning and working through is that our society really pushes individualism. Flex Lewis, you're straight out the lair. Today I sit down with someone who may be the best ambassador to the sport of bodybuilding. His growth within the sport started just like mine as a teen and now with an audience of just under 20 million. He's a role model, inspiration to the people all around the world. We talk about fame, athleticism, business, sacrifice, relationship challenges and motivation. A businessman, an internet phenom and a humble gentleman. But someone that hasn't changed with fame. Here's a podcast with my friend, the four-time reigning classic physique, Mr. Olympia champion, Chris Seabum Bumstead. Straight out there, I'm joined here by my boy, Chris Bumstead, only the four-time champ. It's great to have you here. It's an honor to be here. It's great to have you, my friend. Glad I finally made it out. Yeah, we are. Long time coming. We've talked about this for a minute, actually. Yeah. And uh, and as we were talking off air, it's, it's coming up to twelve o'clock, and you're supposed to be somewhere at twelve o'clock. Yeah. I appreciate you extending your time. Oh, Obviously, rather be we, here than there. <laughs> supposed to be there, but I'd rather be here than there. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. Yeah. Actually, keep it in touch. We just done a little back worker, which is going to be on your YouTube. Yep. And uh, true to form, I think every time we've been on the road together or whatever we've been, we've done a couple of back sessions together. Now you always pick back for some reason. I like training back with people. It was my biggest weak point. It was yours at one point, too, but I just like doing that with other people. I do it a lot, too. I train back twice a week sometimes. So, Is it because you like training with other people to pick things up, or is it just making sure that you hit that old, weakest body part when you're on the road or whatever else? Because that's what we do it together. Yeah. It's on the road. It's more so to pick new things up, I would say. A bit Go of you. both. Go but I like just hearing the way new people do things. You get into a rhythm training the same way forever, and sometimes a fresh new set of eyes or whatever someone else is doing, you're like, oh, that felt good. I'm going to keep doing that. And mentioning a weaker body part that's been brought up tremendously, that was one of the things that was spoken of me. I remember doing my first, my, my rookie for your, rookie show, and people were like, oh, my God, this guy can't him flex, has no back, has yeah. no arms. So I was like, okay, motherfuckers. And you have done that. In fact, probably one of the most impressive one-year transformations, I would say, out of a collection of five people I have in my head, you are one of them. That dramatic difference you've done in, one, you, in that one year. What did you do in that one year? We were talking earlier. <laughs> one of the good things that came out of COVID was you had nothing else to do. That was the year of COVID. So I literally had six months of just like working in a basement for a while, had to get creative, didn't have a lot of weight, which forced me to like properly contract, build the mind-muscle connection. And I was also purposefully doing that, trying to build that. I actually started posing my back, which I never did before, built more mind-muscle connection. And I think for a lot of years, I had a lot of injuries and like pains and aches and was doing more shows. And that was my first year where like I had a full off season, no travel because of COVID. And I was just like stuck training with nothing else to do. And I just slept and ate like a bodybuilder, <laughs> as I should. Life is busy. There's more to life still sometimes. The difference is, sorry, Chris, kind of. Yeah, no, you, there's more to it than just sleeping and doing that. You could, but you're going to miss a lot of life at that point, a lot of opportunity that I'm not willing to give up on right now. And so balancing it is hard, but that year really pushed me into like my one of my best looks I ever had. And then that, that was like the look, and I was like, okay, this is it. Now it's fine-tuning where I'm at right now. Yeah. So it was just a good year, a good off-season, and it all paid off. So you went back to basics, is that what you're saying? Barbells, dumbbells, stuff like that? Yeah. Well, so I was also like, Probably the year before that, I would bend over a row, like, four plates. 405, I just, like, nothing. I would just yeah. rip it. But I didn't realize I had so much, like, athletic, like, hip movement that were so subtle, but it was pulling all from my hips and lower back, mm. and I barely even felt it in my back. So even now, I, if I bent over a row, I'll do two plates on a 25 max. So I'm gone. Over years, I've been getting lighter and lighter, but yeah. it's harder and harder, and I'm actually contracting my back now instead of just yanking shit up, the old ego shit. It felt good to put four plates on and yeah. row it. Don't and, get me wrong. But I love those. Co <laughs> my favorite comment was like, I thought he was going to deadlift it, and he started rowing, and I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah. But I've had to leave that little ego aside and do it properly now, so it paid off, though. Uh, you you about the ego. We trained today, guys, and it was nothing better for me, and we spoke about this when we were training, walking into the gym, especially when you've got guys who are, are trying to beat you at your own craft and well, you can try but i'm yeah. still going to get them reps out yeah and then today me and you trained for the first time in a number of years and you picked it up and you're like oh my god this is heavy i was like yes okay <laughs> even though i'm retired i feel good i got him, I got I, I, him. and then he was like okay let's put some more weight on i was like 
Oh, here we go. Fuck me. <laughs> but anyway, you've got to see the YouTube to see what happened. Did Chris kick my ass or did Chris or did I kick Chris's ass? We were gentle with each other. We were gentle. I'll come back in my full off season yeah. and I'll try and put you to shame. Yeah, he did grab my cheeks a few times. That was a cute set. Yeah. <laughs> job, no, Mike. we do love training together and I do spe- love spending time with you because one of the reasons and mu- multiple reasons why I've been very vocal over the years as well as on the phone text messages about my love for you and how proud I am is because you have a lot of responsibility whether you went out to seek this or it just fell in your lap or whether you've seen it and you nurtured it and you are where you are today. I think the last time I checked you're at 70 million followers which is unbelievable. It's crazy. 17 million people clicked. I have no idea why. On that follow button. Yeah. I think my mum hit that follow button a few times. She blends into that 17 of yours. But nonetheless, 17 million, my friend. And that, as I said, comes with a lot of responsibility and a a lot of, uh, just again, you are the badge of honour for everything you do, not just for your sponsors, but also the sport. And I've said this, that you are the face of the sport. At one point in time, I was flying the flag for the division, flying this flag around the world. Both of us were. And then you had this incredible breakthrough. Like we were all at one point in time, even playing fields with, spon- with social media, like mm-hmm. a few million off or whatever. I know that's a lot for some people watching, but you know, where we're at is kind of a few million off and then all of a sudden, boof. What was it that you think that catapulted you to that next level? I really don't know like the secret to it. I think it's like a perfect storm of a lot of stuff that I'm very blessed and grateful that it came into my life because I have no secret formula to it at all. I think I just focused on staying true to who I was always. And I, I think I'm a different than the typical bodybuilder. I'm not as like crazy, intense, like killer, like fucking trying to kill everyone, beat everyone. I'm just like a little more laid back, a little more relaxed. And I'm just like, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to showcase it. Yeah. And I don't think at my point when I came into the league, many people were doing like the whole influencer YouTube side of it and competing at a high level. All bodybuilders were like, I'm a bodybuilder. I'm not a YouTuber. I'm not going to YouTube. And I don't have time for that. I'm going to ruin my workout if I'm filming. I'm going to whatever. Then they just focused on bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And I came in and I was like, why the fuck can't you do both? And I was younger, of course. Coming in with a generation where social media is a lot more popular. I was still a little bit later than the really popular side of it. But I decided, like, I wanted to document as much as I could. And as I slowly did, people took stuff from what they did from it. The feedback I got from being myself and not being, like, a crazy, like, unrelatable, like, mindset that no one can touch. I'm like, I have fears and anxiety, insecurities, like, stuff that, like, I worry about. I shared it. I talked about it, the ups and the downs. And people were like, damn, he's real. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) we're all real, (laughs) believe it or not. I just tried to show it. And I think people really connected with that. And I'm super grateful for it. And it's also allowed me to continue doing so without burning out because I'm being myself. A lot of people who are putting on an act or a show, eventually they're like, that catches up to you and he feels like this like fake like aura around you and this like pressure of having to perform. I don't have to perform. Mm. The camera goes on me and if I don't want to be on camera, I don't, I'm not on camera. Mm. If I do, I'm just doing whatever I would be doing not on camera. Yeah. So it's really not that difficult for me to do. Yeah, and again, you've done a great job of staying true to that. A lot of people, no names mentioned, we know a few, have come up through the ranks. They've had a little notoriety and all of a sudden they start changing their ways. Yeah. They start changing how they are to the fans, start changing how they are to the social media persona. They start putting on this, I'm too cool for school kind of thing. And you've doubled down. You've doubled down on a lot of your, on your attributes that got you to where you are. To your point and everything that you just said, you have such a great way of connecting with the fans because you are real. You are the same, and I say this to so many people, this is not me blowing smoke. I've said it on the podcast too, I'm not tired about Chris. I've talked many times about Chris. The one You've seen these ones, right? Of course. I thought so, yeah. The uh, biggest hype man. <laughs> <laughs> I've said many times that you are the true poster boy. If anybody is coming through the sport right now, bodybuilder, female, male, in between, <laughs> look at Chris. Because <laughs> there's a way of doing this right, and there's a way of doing it wrong. I can mm. show you an example of 15, 20 people who are doing it wrong. Yeah. There's not many people are doing it wrong. But the thing is also not to do it like me. Don't do, don't do what Chris did. Do what you do. Yeah. Right? That's the, the moral of the story there. It's not to copy what Chris is doing because that's just Chris. Yeah. If you're different than me, be different. Do your thing. But stick to that. I guess what I like then, and not everybody's like this, you're right. 
I like the humble. I like the driven. I like the confidence that athletes should have. But I also like the fact that you don't put yourself up bigger than somebody else. You'll stop, talk to anybody, especially with kids, which you align ourselves so much on that, how we treat our fans. There's, that's what I mean. Listen, you put effort into your fans. You put effort into a lot of the things that these guys 180 on, which blows my mind. You get to the NBA, and then all of a sudden, these fans, these kids are standing, putting their hands out when you're walking back in the test. Fucking slap their hands. They're fucking kids. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's it. And you and I would, regardless, win, shine, win, lose, draw, we would just make sure that our fans always have that vision of us. And you've done a great job of that. But if there's any advice... Now what you've said, what you've said to the next generation that are coming up and looking at you, inspiring, and have you on the wall as the poster or literally look at you as the poster guy. What would the advice be for the up-and-comers who have maybe 1,000, 2,000 Instagram followers attempted to go a different route to their true selves? What would that advice be? <sighs> it's tough, but yeah. I would say you, you can't need it. You can't rely on needing fame because it's not something you... Sh I don't think it's something you should ask for. It's nothing I ever wanted. Mm. I loved bodybuilding and I got into it and I slowly started to document more of it because I enjoyed it mm. and I loved it, but I never wanted the attention that came along with that. I didn't seek that. Because that's not you. I, no, not at all. <laughs> People who know me, they, they all know that when I'm done, I'm ready to move into the mountains. With no one knows my address, no no secure, no whatever, no data, no Wi-Fi, just disappear. Like I could live that I life. I contact you. No one. Can. I want to join you. I contact you. I'll, I'll send you a pigeon. Fuck, yeah, now. I have a little pigeon. See you big time now. You yeah. contact me. See? You fucking changed. <laughs> I got you. you changed. No, I'm joking out, Carry on. Yeah, no. So just because whatever you're doing with your life, regardless of people watching it, you should continue to do that. Whether the people are watching you online, whether you're on video or not. Same thing as when you're being a, when you're training to be something. You shouldn't be working harder because your coach or whoever's watching you. You should be working hard because you love what you do. And if you love and you're passionate about what you do, it will come naturally. And if you are a character and you're successful enough that people want to join that journey alongside you and watch, then you'll be grateful and be blessed that happens. But you can't force it. You can't make it happen. So I just think sticking true to who you are, finding out who the fuck you are to begin with, being that the best of your ability, put a lot of effort into it, be respectful of whatever you get from it, but don't force it and just try and enjoy the journey and stay true to whatever you started it. And something I'll add to that too is, and you mentioned document everything. Yeah. I wish I filmed more. I wish that I put more stuff out there. When my life story is told, whenever Netflix want to revisit me, I have a, oh my gosh, I got like shoeboxes yeah. full of stuff when I was 19, 20, 21. I never done anything with it, but I do have it. I'm probably going to get some stuff and put it out in reels. Just start drip feeding it out. Be cool. Yeah, just to see some stuff. But I want to take it back to your beginning days of, of training and how you got into the sport. I know that you had quite the life in college, as I did. You were very popular in college. You've done a lot of different sports. A little bit of a party boy. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I honestly stopped sports and just got turned into a party boy. No way. I played a lot of sports in yeah. high school, but it stopped after high school. So take me back to the party days. I know you and I have got some, you've told me some stories. There were f some fun times. I, I, they used to throw some part, big epic parties <laughs> on the college campus. Yeah. How did you become the party guy knowing was the... The, the, the quieter guy. I think it was more so just the group of people I fell into. Okay. I was young. We had a good group of friends who had a lot of friends, and we were in college, and what else are you going to do? Yeah. We were just enjoying life. I've luckily always had just a natural instinct of just to enjoy whatever state of life you're in. In high school, I was loving it. In college, I was like, this is the only time I'm going to be able to live with a group of guys and just have, like, little to no responsibility yeah. other than going to class and, like, a part-time job wasn't too difficult so we just enjoyed it as best as we could and I still trained all the time and those were the strongest I ever was somehow was when I was like getting blackout drunk three times a week <laughs> and I'd go to the gym the next day go to the cafeteria at 1 p.m. after yeah. I woke up get some food in go to the gym and squat like 600 pounds not a lesson was over. not a lesson was gone to no yeah it sounds not. like my college days no, yeah you know I tried to catch up with the books but <laughs> didn't make it through that no but yeah no I mean we're just trying to enjoy life and have the best time that we could but yeah. Of course, I knew it was a season and it was going to come to an end. I enjoyed it while it was there and when it was done, and I checked out from it. And I really don't party at all anymore. I don't really no. drink much anymore. I would probably, like, might if I, but I, my friends don't, my group doesn't, and we just enjoy our time not being hammered anymore. Yeah. So luckily, we've matured a little bit, but it was a good time while it lasted. My college days were 
combined with my rugby days. Yeah. So the drinking element was done way before, and I got it out of my system. Because drinking age, I don't know what it is in Canada, but the drinking age in the UK is 18. It's so 19, then, yeah. Okay, so you push, you, yeah. you start at 15, 16. Exactly, And then yeah. by the time I was of legal age, I was like, eh, I'm over You turn 20, 21, and you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I've had enough. Yeah. yeah. I was already ahead of the pack, and then obviously one thing you and I share the commonality on is that we started competing at 19 years old. Yep. You and I both went through the junior ranks. We have literally grown up in the sport of bodybuilding, our first show being 19, because you won which is the juniors, which i done also. And then you won the overall in your first show, beating misters, which i done also. I done, I won the novice, but I yeah. didn't win the overall. Sorry, just me clarify that before somebody gets in the comment section. <laughs> they remember. Uh, yeah, I know. These are the claim to fame, bro. Yeah. These guys are living, oh, yeah. are living their life. But I won the novice, and these were massive classes back then. Juniors and the novice class, as well as the open class. In fact, Neil was competing back then too. But that's something you and I share. Uh, what was the things that you took from that early days competing as a teen because obviously you, you said you stopped the party and you got it all out of your system is that was you working with ian at that age too at 19 yeah. okay ian was the reason i got into bodybuilding really i always loved it and i trained like a bodybuilder and i was like i would like to compete one day but i had no idea what the fuck bodybuilding really was right. i just ate chicken and rice and trained <laughs> who knows Took mute math shakes and shit my pants from <laughs> those math gainers and all that, but got past that, luckily. And then Ian came into my life, started dating my sister, yeah. and he's just, like, the cool jack guy, of the, the most jack guy in Ottawa, like, the guy. And he's a coach as well, and he's, yo, you have crazy genetics. Like, I could coach you in your first show. Yeah. And he was going to, Mosa was going to do a show, too, so we decided to do it together. Great. And Mosa wasn't even into competing, didn't even give a shit, didn't even really work out before she, him. She didn't train? Bare, no. She would, like, that girl, no. She'd go to the group exercise room, close the door and hide with like one set of dumbbells and just do her whole workout Holy hiding in there. Holy crap. And he got her into everything. Wow. Yeah. And I was training like a bodybuilder at that point, but I didn't know. So yeah. he coached us both into that first show that we did. And then we both took the overall in it. We both, I was a junior and then the one's men's overalls and she won women's figure overalls. And then so she, I swear to God to this day, she has better genetics than I do. I think she is like. She could take it over, but she's got more interest in that. So yeah. she's doing other things. But, yeah, the, we got into it at 19, took it over, and just fell in love with the whole process of it. And I knew I was at a point. Well, I guess I didn't really commit to bodybuilding until I was, like, 21, like, full-fledged. Uh -huh. And I knew, like, I was going to, when I qualified for the Olympia, then I came second place in my first Olympia, and I was like, okay, I can do something with this. I know I can. Mm. My parents always told me I have to get a degree. No matter what it was, get, to this day, my mom, you can still go back and get your degree. Oh, I'm like, I don't think I need it, <laughs> mom, but I appreciate it. <laughs> but I, so when I decided that I was going to step away from school, I knew how important it was to my parents. I'm like, if I do, this is everything. This is my life. No more partying. I still live here, but I'm not going out with the guys. I'm not missing any meals. I'm putting all my, this isn't like a lazy excuse uh -huh. to leave school. This is, I'm putting more effort into this than I would a career in school. And this is going to be my everything. Yeah. That's what I did. And then the rest was history. The next year was a bit of a fluke. A health hit me up in 2018 when I was 22. And then next year I won the Olympia and the three years after that kept going. So I just locked it all in. You have any regrets from the earlier days of not finishing school when you had the chance to? No. I'm just sure, have to ask that question. I'm sure if I didn't make it here, I might have. Or I probably would have just gone back. But my bodybuilding career was like opening right in front of me and I couldn't really juggle both and I had to choose, take a risk. But people always ask me that question. Like, should I drop out of college and do this? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, they're like, what? I'm like, if you have to ask me that, <laughs> then you're not committed enough to do it. And you should know yourself that you're going to yeah. put the effort into this. This shouldn't be a lazy excuse. I don't like school. I don't want to do it. Like, it's not going to be fun. But if you need it or it helps you, then it'll help you. But you have to show that you're willing to put in work somewhere and effort somewhere. And then you can fit into a real career. And then so all these people just want like the easy way out. And I'm like, that's not why I did it. I didn't do it for the easy way out. I did it because I was going to put more work into this. And I knew I had an opportunity yeah. to become something. Sit me down and tell me how that conversation went when you told your mom and dad that you weren't <laughs> going to drop out of school and focus on bodybuilding. They were actually decently understanding. Okay. I think, I'm pretty sure I laid it out to them as I'm going to take a year off <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> so I had to ease my way into it. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, yeah. all right, so if by the end of this year I'm more successful and I've done more, yeah. I can be like, okay, I'm going to do another year. And then if I get to a point where they're like, ah, you don't even need school anymore, you've done all this other stuff, then I'm good. Then I don't have to even worry well, about it. Well, clearly you haven't because <laughs> yeah, mom's no, still trying to still get you back to school. There, exactly. Mom's still, go get that degree. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> I still got to work harder. 
Didn't you take a semester off though earlier prior to the last semester you took off? I went down to part time in the last year. Yeah, in the, when a I was little research that I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little research. So, so this the last semester conversation you had your mum and dad. I'm sure it was just like, is this going to be like it was before? <laughs> Clearly, it wasn't. And I know that they're incredibly proud of, of both. Yeah, they they've yeah. been so supportive of yeah. both me and my sister. But like, they've been to every Olympia I've ever done. I think they've only missed two shows I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And they didn't understand bodybuilding as most parents don't at the beginning. Yeah. What is? What are you? Why are you so hungry? So, Eat an apple. Yeah. It's healthy. Like, so all that. You don't that, look good. The typical question. It's healthy. Yeah. Eat the apple. And I'm like, I can't. But they get it now. They're super good. When I whenever I travel home. There's a pot of rice on the stove. There's chicken oh. breast cooked, plain, nothing on it. Like, they're on it. They know. And they've been super supportive. So I'm very grateful for that. Same as my parents. At first, it was the education of trying to teach them. But then they realized soon enough, the people that I had around me, Neil Hill, yeah. one of my old training partners, Steve Naylor, shout out to Steve Naylor. He, business owner, very well-spoken, soft-spoken guy. And then they were like, oh, okay. The cliche of bodybuilders, depending on who you're looking at, and yeah. if you're looking at the Arnold era, iconic, and then there's other people that have, you know. But again, it goes back to what I said 15 minutes ago of transitioning bodybuilding has gone from iconic, and then there was a couple of athletes, no names mentioned, that thought they were NBA superstars and treated the fans like shit, and that stigma got out. A lot yep. of people started talking bad about bodybuilding, egos and stuff like that. And you have gone and marched against every stereotype that's out there. And again, one of the reasons why I've said to many people, it's refreshing to see somebody of your stature, of your social media following, not putting himself out there to look like, oh, I'm the fucking man. It's very refreshing. And I think that one of many reasons why I enjoy seeing your progress and seeing all these new things that you're getting into, which kind of leads me into my next segue. Chris Bumstead, the businessman. Holy shit, my friend. Is there any other markets we are that I should be prepared not to get into, shall I say? <laughs> you're doing few, fucking fantastic, man. <coughs> Incredible. You. Thank you. Incredible. I appreciate it. It's been a fun new journey for sure, tapping into that and yeah. being able to have a bodybuilder. You can have a lot of free time if you're smart with it, so... Having a lot of free time and being able to pour it all into that has been super lucky. And I would not be where I am without my partners that I've done it all with. Maddie and Matt, who are just here. Yeah. Dom, absolute biz like wizard when it comes to business. So without them behind my back, because obviously I still have to check out and be a bodybuilder. Of course. Most of the time, that's my number one priority still. Mm -hmm. So having them to handle the extra knows that I can't really do and take things on to the next level has been like the reason why things have gotten where they've gotten. And it's been a fun being able to build something. Like, we've built a personal brand through our career, be people being able to connect with you as a person, but being able to connect that brand into a company, of a feeling of a brand, of what does this represent? If you yeah. wear the clothes, you take the supplements, like, what is behind the meaning of that? Like, what do the people who own it represent? What does the brand represent? And why am I really taking it? Yeah. Other than just the quality of it. So being able to build that and put that into something has been a lot of fun. And I've been enjoying putting my effort into that and, It'll be the next step after my career, too. We'll just be doubling down on that. Before we talk about that, there's not many people that are able, especially in our industry, that are able to have a business, run it successfully whilst they're still competing. Most of every company that, that I've either been affiliated with or friends with have all done this after they've been, or after they've hung out their trunks. Yep. Rich Caspari, Lee Labrada, Jay Cutler, etc. Then the list goes on. You were doing this... As you're on top, I've done my businesses as well on top, but then it's very difficult knowing that you have a show and then all of a sudden, eight weeks out, six weeks out, you are going to be getting more and more distance away. But if anything, I've seen you embellishing that and yes, putting your brand, your, your personal brand and focusing on the shows and stuff like that are coming up, the Mr. Olympia or whatever you got going on, but you still have a good team around you that makes sure that the Olympia is something that can be truly utilized. A lot of hype. Yeah. But you have a great team around you. You mentioned Matt. Me and Matt go way back. Very personal friend of mine. Love Matt to death. Close friend. Great relationship with Dom as well. As you said, he's been involved with multiple different businesses. So you have so many great people around you that are not in your lane, but strong in their own. Yeah. But going back to yourself, and how difficult is it for you to balance all these things that are going on off season, let alone pre-contest. 
it comes in waves for sure. And I have structure my year. Yeah. And this is why I'm very grateful that I do one show a year. And I also can't put on too much weight with my weight cap because there's a large lull in my year where I'm like taking a step back and I'm just focusing on my training. My food's not too high. So I have energy. I'm not pushing anything. I'm still like just going. Yeah. So I'm able to I stack all my travel in the first half of the year right after the Olympia. And then they're like three months out. I'm like, I'm not traveling at all. And usually one or two things will squeak into my prep. And then I'm in when I'm in the office, I'm there from maybe like 10 to 5, typically Monday to Friday. And when I'm in there, I can just chill if I need to. It's relaxing. And it takes my mind off being hungry, honestly. It gives me something to do. I'm like twiddling my fingers at home waiting for my next meal. Yeah. Or I can go be doing something and be busy. Being able to juggle that definitely. The difficult part sometimes is just when you get carried away and you're busy all day. And then the end of the day comes and you have to train and you're exhausted. And you're like, okay, this is not the rhythm I need to be into because I need my energy for the gym. Mm -hmm. So just being able to structure everything for that has been probably the hardest part, but I enjoy it. Honestly, I do. And like I said, if I didn't have the people who could step in when I need to step away like that, and mm -hmm. they're, they understand LMP is my priority. They're all like, literally don't even come in the office, go, go relax, go to the gym, do what yeah. you need to do. Cause they understand what I need to do. So that's been super helpful. And to your point earlier of everybody always starts the business after I think, a, it's because they don't really trust people or they're not lucky enough. I'm very lucky to have such good people in my life. And it's also very hard to turn down good contracts at the peak of your career. So I'm make I'm technically pocketing less money than I've been offered. I've been offered some stupid shit to become at this point in my career. I'm like, holy fuck, I've turned down some money that I never fathomed I would make in a lifetime, let alone in a year. And I've just had to say no because I want to focus on my own companies. And this is when I'm done, I'm not going to get those offers, but I'm trying to build a company that's going to be worth way more than that in the future. But I think it's really hard for a lot of people to say no to those things, but I'd rather put my effort and my, like the people follow me and they respect me for what I do. And I want to give them something that like they, re that I really respect and stand behind. And what do I stand behind more than something I've built myself? Absolutely. So I've really just put my focus on that, put aside the contracts and checks that have come my way and just forget about it. Focus on this. And I'm happy I did regardless of outcome yeah. of money. If I would have made more one way or the other, I'm happy I'm doing what I'm doing because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more funny doing it for myself. For sure. We've, we had this conversation not so long ago where we're obviously in a weight class that is not paid like the open class, nor moaning about it. Yep. We were there for the legacy and we do very well off stage. But we've done and we've created that wealth by investing in ourselves, investing in various different people and uh, things that have made us better. And to your point, I'm probably one of the last of the Mohicans that gets that crazy contract. Yeah. It's probably like maybe three of us that comes from the print days. Yeah. Say Flex Lewis created a brand right now. One numbers is Chris Bumstead entertaining that has nothing to do with him. Don't forget, we got business people following this <laughs> podcast too. Yeah, are you asking me what I've said no to in the past? Yes, or? I'm asking you what you said no to in the past. Uh, let's just say upwards of seven figures. Upwards. Yeah. So you su suffice to say, okay, I want a number, Chris. Just give me a number. <laughs> Of the biggest thing I've said no to. Yes. It doesn't have to, you don't have to say who it's from, but just tell me a, a number and a no. Three mil. Wow. A year. 12 month contract. 12 month contract and three posts. Three posts a year or three posts a month? <laughs> three stories a month. We'll talk after the podcast. We'll find <laughs> that fucking three million post. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, man. I, I know. Isn't I it wild? I'm just like, I can't believe, you know, but holding like off. Yeah, you're building and, a bigger thing. And the thing is, the, like I spoke about, the respect people have for me, like, mm -hmm. that to me is priceless. Yeah. And when I start promoting shit that I wouldn't normally do, just because the big paycheck, that respect is gone, and you do not get that back, ever. Gone. You can't rebuild that. It's gone. Like, people, I don't even really talk about this very much, but people don't understand, like, a connection they have with me is subconsciously, they don't even know it's because I'm not throwing bullshit in their face, which I could be. A lot of people just have all these offers and they come by and they don't think they don't even look at someone and be like fuck that guy he's telling me bullshit but subconsciously they're just a little bit like they lose a little bit of trust for that because oh, no they know question. that guy's not doing that for real so it's definitely difficult and i work with some brands who aren't even big and they can't afford to pay me a lot but like i ordered mega fit before knowing them they ate their food so and then they offered me to send me free food and i was like fuck yeah sure i'll take some free meals yeah. and that's 250 bucks a month not 250k but that's genuine to what i use yeah. so i'm grateful for that stuff in my life and i'd rather people the trust 
for my community that they give me, I'd rather give that back to them and continue to withhold that. It's not always about the money, Chris. No, definitely not. It's sometimes building the bigger picture and aligning yourselves with quality over quantity and quantity being numbers next to a number. I've worked with a number numerous different brands over the years and I've had some stupid offers presented to me and I've looked at the companies I'm like this ain't gonna last a fucking year yeah and they don't they come in hard and they literally you know want to buy themselves to the top and as if the fans are gonna have the wool pulled over their eyes nothing beats consistency quality and laying out the laying out a structure to for the fans to look at and be like okay whatever Chris puts on his stories, whatever Chris talks about, that is signed off. Yeah. And that is a very powerful thing in this day and age where athletes are signing for whatever contract they get offered. And if there's a message that needs to be taken away from what Chris just said is don't sign from the first company that offers you. I've said this in the podcast before, I took a year and a half off after BSN. And I looked at the landscape of who was out there and I didn't sign with any US company because I just didn't feel that my my personal brand aligned. Did that kick me in the ass? Yes, I ate into a lot of savings. (laughs) (laughs) And I had the 12,000 a month warehouse bill that was coming in every month for the Dragon's Lair. But it was game plan for that too, which now we're sitting in a gym that has morphed into a, I guess, a global brand, a global gym brand that has started off in a warehouse. Lovely little segue into our next little conversation. So, I hear there might be a gym coming in the future for you. There might be. There might be? There is might it, be is yeah. this not a conversation for the podcast? <laughs> it's not really a secret. I haven't really okay. talked about it yet. Okay. But I just, as long as no one can find it. Yeah, we spoke about this. This is going to be like the fucking middle of the woods, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always joke about it, though. <clears throat> I talk about it all the time. Like, I really like my privacy. As you do. I like my introversion. I like to be alone. And I... People always ask me if I was going to open a gym, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Like, when? I'm like, like no one's allowed to come. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't want anyone there. Blame flax. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Literally, you were the one who said it. You are like, this is the place to be. I'm like, damn, this guy's got his own gym that he can just go train it by himself. I want that one day. And now that I'm grateful to be in, in an opportunity to do, I'm running with it. And yeah. we're using it as a part of a business, too. Like, I have a training app. So it's going to be the playground for the app of fil- filming content and everything like that. And so at least business right off, use whatever you can to do all that. So there's a purpose to it, but also a huge part of it is just to find my peace, get into prep, and continue what I love about my career, which is training and just focusing on the gym, no distractions, mm-hmm. you know, letting go of the world and going in there and just doing what you do. So I'm I, excited. I want to touch on that app after I ask you about the next endeavor, but the the warehouse for me, obviously that turned into the Dragon's Lair, was the best investment I ever put into myself at that point in time. Yeah. Was it costly? Absolutely. Yes, it was. Was I in the financial situation I'm in right now? No. But I knew that for me to get there and level up, I had to spend that money. It was an investment on myself. No excuses. If I walked into, I think you know this too, I've gone into regular gyms when I was living in South Florida and I became a show and tell. Yeah. I turned up one day and it was fucking 60 people ready to meet me and shake my hands yeah. where they done this come and meet flex tomorrow morning post yeah, and you, i had no clue you're like coming in someone's like don't worry i won't tell anyone you're coming to the gym. It'll be a complete <laughs> secret I might even close it down for you You show up with a line out the door a poster of your face a camera <laughs> set up and you're like you motherfucker has this happened to you too Chris? <laughs> yeah, it has. It has. yeah but it's nothing better than having your own gym because then I know it sounds obnoxious, but you're at that stage right now. You know, you got to look at yourself as the high-profile athlete. Do you think these boxers, these UFC fighters, are going to regular open gyms? Yeah. They're not. They're closing them down. They're in Big Bear. They're in fucking the middle of nowhere because that's what they have to do. The distractions that these guys have being famous, they can't go anywhere. Every time they go to a normal place, they're getting bombarded. They go to these places to literally do one thing, and that's focus. A lot of the guys in our world go to Kuwait. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go and have my own Kuwait on my doorstep and come home and see my wife and my kid at the time when I was done with the day. And that is what made me level up. That was what was able for me to get into that legacy. The first couple of title defenses, I think it was the first two, I'd done a training in regular gyms and I was, it was full of distractions. And l- listen, it, I'm not 
saying that I'm better than a regular gym. It's just when it comes down to me and my craft, when I'm not traveling, I have to focus. Yeah. And I'm not that asshole, not to say no. I love talking to people, and that's my problem too. Yeah. But when you eliminate that factor and you have nothing but complete focus in your own gym, that is a dangerous person because there's nobody in there waiting for you. It's just you versus you or you and your training partners and you control the, in, the environment. If you have a shitty workout, it's fucking on you. Yeah. If you have a great workout, great. Come back the next day. Don't celebrate it. Every day has to be consistent and every day has to be one step closer to the defense of that title. I'm excited to see this version of Chris that's coming when you have this, this in the middle of nowhere gym. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Looking forward to this year. We're yeah. going to get some Arsenal strength in there for you? think of maybe a few yeah, yeah. we need to speak to uh, i'm picking old, some old pieces too like a lot of old stuff that you can't find anymore so i want it to be almost like a just my dream everything yeah. like i've been and traveled around in the multiple gyms every piece i'm like take a picture i like that one put it in my favorites and i'm like <laughs> trying to find it you know this that's exactly what i built the first time yeah and then it turned into what it is so you mentioned the app too chris i want to talk about this you've got an app what was the name of it and how can people find this we're working on rebranding, honestly, it's called Seabum Fitness right now. Okay. But I want to make it a little bit more of a broad name rather than just like my name. So right now you can just go to seabumfitness.com and it's all there. But we're launching like a new version of it. It's in beta right now. We have a few people testing it out. Okay. So it's just literally my workouts. What yeah. I do is put up on one section. It's called Olympia Off Season or Olympia Prep, depending where I'm at. And then you can literally just follow along whatever my workouts are. It tracks your weights. Everything, sets, reps, everything. You can go back and see what we've done on every exercise. And then we're working on nutrition going into it and stuff too, but just a few things rolling out, but excited. It's been, this a couple of years, right? It's been around for a while, yeah. yeah. But we just, we've been, it's been a fucking headache finding business people to work yeah. with is hard. We tried to go over overseas and find people to develop it and all around and nothing. So we found someone here, luckily, who's our partner in it and he's helping us with it, just expand it into what we want it to be because it was a little too simple before. Yeah. But yeah, it's been around for like two years, and but we're rebranding it and relaunching it like a new version of it. For the people that might be watching this in a month or two's time, when is your launch date coming? I'm guessing it's going to be a couple of months before the Olympia so people can get in, involved in that? It'll probably be well before that, honestly. Oh, okay. It'll be the summer, yeah. Oh, nice, it's okay. In, it should be done beta testing in a month or so, mm-hmm. and then fine-tuning just the aesthetics of it, and it'll be good to go. Yeah. And there's another thing, I have another chance to tell you, kind of way off the fucking point here, yeah? but welcome to Podcast with Me. Yep. Congratulations, my friend. Thank on you. the engagement. Thank you, sir. Courtney is one of my favorite pros. Yep. She is someone I've traveled the world with. We've shared many wins on stage together in the Asian Grand Prix, Korea, yep. and many other Olympias. And you guys met, shit, when was that? When would you guys 2018. Met? 2018. Yeah, right after the 2018 Olympia. Yeah, after my, my, last, my last Olympia win. Yep. Have you guys been together since before your reign, or did you meet her after you'd won? Before, yeah. Yes. She's been with me for every Olympia win. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's the same thing for me and Ali. Really? I have not lost a show since I've been with Ali. Really? Yeah. So the same thing with you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. look. Courtney, <laughs> you got the magic, girl. She does. Whatever you're doing. <laughs> she's fucking great, bro. She's the best. She she's is a incredible. huge reason for my mental stability and success, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Be able to come home to that rock and just her always there for me. And yeah. talk about never changing, like with someone like as like genuine as her who like sees me for who I am and loves me for that rather than any of the other bullshit. And like, I know that truly like you uh, with your family and your friends and your close circle. Like, how can you change when those people who are so important to you love you for you? You're not going to become someone different because of some exterior bullshit. Yeah. That, that's that just shows that sentence right there just shows who you are down to the T because you have a lot of people that would love to put a fucking notch in their bedpost to say that we've been with Chris. And when you meet somebody, we've both kind of lived a life prior to our girls, yeah. right? We went to college, I played rugby, you've done your own thing. But then when you meet somebody that kind of brings the best out of you, yeah. and I can see that's with you guys because you are just a tremendous power couple. She is just a ball of energy and life, and I've never seen her in a bad mood. I'm sure you have, but... <laughs> Usually my fault, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I've never seen her in a bad mood. She's always somebody that, wherever I am around the world, last time I seen her, actually was in Steve's. Shout out to Steve Weinberger. We were in Bev's. That's oh, the last really? time I've seen her. That's been a while ago. Yeah, that's the last time. I haven't. Passing at the Olympia, I'm sure. I don't Last think I did. 
No, I mean, you know what it's like. You're so chaotic. I'm being pulled one way. And, yeah, and you're I, always in your suit doing fancy stuff now. <laughs> you're always on stage doing fancy stuff to win <laughs> and enough. taking titles. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think I've seen her at the Olympia because, of course, if I did, I would remember because she always bean lines to me before I see her. Yeah. She's amazing. But again, that that's something I read and I was thinking, hold on, let me do the math here. And it's the same as my Ali, that you've won everything since you got together. You've not lost a single show. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I go with Ali... And I think the first show I won was the Olympia. And then we just went on and done everything together. So you met right before your first Olympia win? Yeah. I, wa- I think it actually was the the British Grand Prix we met together. We went and done the same first show. She was doing a, <laughs> she was doing the fi- a finals in school. Oh, really? And she brought all her books with her. We were in Manchester and I remember us having this like loft apartment where I was prepping. She's tanning me up and tanning me all over her fucking school papers and everything else. So I try to explain that when she goes back to school. Yeah. What the fuck is this? But yeah, so it was a nice correlation for us to know that. We've, we, again, we've got fantastic girls and we've got a great story with where we've come from to where we are. And she's actually moved her life to be with you in Florida, right? Yeah. yeah and she almost moved to Canada. Really? Me too. Yeah, we were going to settle down in Canada at one point. Until the whole the business stuff came up and yeah. the opportunity and she's fuck it let's run it with it let's go to Florida and try that and she's been by my side through all we've gone through yeah and, and you've gone through quite a lot because I know that you've been open and honest about this you've talked about your health and your struggles with the mental aspect of things too what would you say has been the hardest for you health or the anxiety that is brought on with living the life you live in. Are they both two monsters? I would probably say health. Health within then my anxiety that comes along with my health. Okay. Like, so all that ties into that for sure. But also what happened to me in 2018 is the reason why I am successful today. I believe that truly. I was like fucking scared for my health at one point. Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to live a normal life after or let alone be able to bodybuild still. So like I feel like sometimes I'm like living on borrowed time almost. Like I'm yeah. just lucky to be here and it makes me really enjoy where I'm at. And it forced me to get out of my head of the fear of my control. So, like, I have an autoimmune disorder, which can be, like, anything can happen. You could be doing the best you can, and it can just hit you. So you have to relinquish control of the things that are unknown. That's a huge part of bodybuilding, if you can get that down. What work can you put in that's in your control, and what can you let go of that's just going to happen? And being able to create that mindset over the years and understand that has helped me a lot with my anxiety around fear, but also my enjoyment presence and gratitude for bodybuilding also allowing me to put up like more effort into it and actually enjoy it so i think it's been a huge reason why how many people do you know who like win an olympia get to the top of the sport become famous business whatever to top and then gone how many people do i know yeah or or like stories you hear whatever most people climb up to the top and they're gone the hard shit is winning seven times in a row oh you you get there you're driven you're like fuck it it's exciting then you get there i gotta do it again and again and keeping the mindset driven and focused (laughs) and not letting the pressure get to you or change the system or anything keep doing it the hardest part of it is reinventing your why chris yeah yeah that's what i had to do every single year you so what was your beginning why what was your end why you want me to go for everyone? I can tell you no problem if you want. Sure. And then I want to hear yours. <laughs> First one was winning it. Yep. To prove everybody, I'll prove everybody wrong. That fucking told me I couldn't. The second one was defending it because there was a couple of people that were missing the second, the first time. So then I had to solidify it. The third year was the 50th year. That was the year I had mad, hella fucking stomach issues. Literally before I even went on stage, I was throwing up. I couldn't condense my abs. I could open up, but I couldn't s- squeeze down. And that's the year that Eduardo brought his best package in and both of us were fighting it out. I mean, if I, if I had lost that year, I would have lost to the better guy. But for, thankfully for me, it's a two-day show. Yeah. So the first day I was struggling, the second day we got everything down pat and I looked fucking incredible compared to the, ne- the, the next day. Fourth year was we found out Ali was pregnant. Fifth year was I wanted to bring my daughter up on stage. She's my screensaver. Yeah. I wanted that iconic shot. And then the sixth year was going to be it. And that's the year Dallas died before the show. So we had to go through that stage. And to be honest, mate, I didn't know if I was ever going to come back after that year. I went through my own emotions. And obviously Matt knows more than anybody. This is one of the reasons why I'm super close with Matt. Because we both got, we were close, but we got closer. And it was probably until FIBO that I made the decision, which is me. So it was like, 
Dallas passed away in September. May was when I made the decision. Up until that point, I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah, I would go to the gym, just get upset and all this. And the seventh year, I said to myself, "This is it. This is going to be my. This is going to be my fucking year." And I'm going out in a bang, and it's going to be the best condition ever. And of course, that was the year they were hyping up Derek. They were hyping up many other athletes, and I turned up and bowed out on top. Yeah. Sailed into the sunset, but I reinvented my why every single year. Uh, one of the th- different things that I wish I'd done more of, which you have talked about more than anything else, is the anxiety that came with it. I didn't realize how bad my anxiety was up until I, I retired, and I battled with that more than any other thing, but I just suppressed it. I thought, ah, oh, this is just nerves, but it was anxiety. It ruined me. I had, I would stress out about missing meals, which then trigger anxiety. Yeah. All these different things compounded. But yeah, only, I'm only mentioning that because you touched on anxiety. But I'd like to hear your why now on, on every one of your, out of your shows. I don't think they're all specific, but 2019 was just winning. First one was just like, fuck it, I want to win. Yep. And then I was close. That was like controversial whether who I should have won that show or not. Everyone, people said Breon should have won, I should have won. There was some like drama with all that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to shut everyone the fuck up next year. Get ready. <laughs> and that was that year of transformation. <laughs> Holy shit, what happened yeah. to Chris? You know what? This is crazy. And in the first few years, I didn't really enjoy the wins a lot. I almost blacked out on stage. Yeah. I was like, there was still some fear of my health, of being like, if this come up, just suppress it. Don't feel it. And I've done that a lot in my life. I've just yeah. suppressed. I was like very loving family, but we didn't speak a lot. So I didn't learn how to let my emotions out, oh. communicate about it. And then people think that's normal. That's men. You know, that's, that's how you get through life with a chip on your shoulder. And it's like, I don't want to live with a chip on my shoulder. I want to enjoy this. So the next year, the focus was on, all right, let's step back. Let's relinquish that pressure I spoke about of the unknown. If I do the best that I can, what's a mindset I can shift right now? And a weird thing that I think is very was different to me than a lot of champions competing was I w- wanted and I did come to the conclusion to be okay with losing. I was literally like, what can you do with your life to be okay with losing? And I'm like, be my fucking best. Put in all my effort. Do everything I can. I have no control of whatever else happens after that. Yeah. I can't make the judges make a win. I can't make people look worse than me when they come up. I can only look my best. Mm-hmm. And that takes you out of a state of reaction of the uncontrolled because you're ready to react to whatever comes, which you have no control over. Now I'm in control. And then, okay, relinquished a lot of pressure, and now I'm doing what I love again. And I was able to enjoy that year and just go through it, and I had a lot of fun. On the last week, there was a little bit of, not every year is going to be perfect. That year wasn't my best showing in 2021. And I wasn't really happy with it, but I really enjoyed it. I let that go, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to have fun with it. And I really... I still remember like looking at the lights, looking at the people in the crowd, finding my family. There's all these iconic pictures of me holding a heart like this and pointing yeah. at them because I'm really there. And I'm, that was for me. That was for you, yeah, of course. You were sitting right behind Courtney. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she thought I was you know, looking at you. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Yeah, and then the next year was I kind of coming back from that and just more of the same, focusing on enjoying it. Yeah. I had a new coach for the first time in my entire career. Mr. Honey Rambod, the system we did wasn't too much different. It was just a little more fine-tuning all that we've done. And I wanted to prove that, like, we could do it even better. And every year I was like, I would like to prove to myself that I can continue to improve. Yeah, I want to know that I can keep working harder and being a better version of myself mentally and physically and just focusing on all that. And a lot of what I've focused on over the last two and a half, three years or so is just purely mental. Mm. Just how can I be mentally secure and strong and focused and present? And enjoy this. And not just happy and high all the time, but when I have those lows, being able to feel that. Being able to understand where they're coming from, express it. If I'm like anxious and I talk about it or Courtney asks me like, what's wrong? Sometimes she'll look at me. It's only happened a few times, but she'll be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. Are you good? I'm like, yeah, why? I'm fine. Are you good? I'm like, yeah. Are you okay? And then I start bawling. I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm like, what is it? I'm like, there's just fucking so much shit going on. All this shit, people saying this, this that. I got to fucking win Olympia. This, let it all out. And I'm like, holy fuck. I didn't realize that was in there. And then I talk about it. And I'm like, and she's like, okay. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, of course you fucking feel like this. Think of the shit that's on your plate right now. I'm like, I guess you're right. Yeah, this is fucking normal. Let me just sit in this and feel it right now. And the more I like allowed it to come up in me and feel it, it just slowly faded. Mm. And now when it comes up, instead of me being like, just push that away. This is your life. You're a your Olympia. Own it. I let that come up. If I have fear and stress and I allow myself to feel it, it just naturally dissipates into wherever it goes. And then I feel a lot lighter afterwards. I feel more free. I feel like myself. And then I'm able to go on with my life and enjoy it. So 
It's been a journey for sure. I've had a lot of help with Courtney, my family, I have therapists I work with and shit, but it's really helped me enjoy life a lot more. You mentioned therapists. What do they do? Just some an extra person to talk that's not connected <coughs> to the world? Yeah, completely unbiased person who's going to give it to you. They obviously understand a lot. As much as people think that well, a lot of people had a really rough childhood, a lot of people didn't, They're like that doesn't affect me. Like that shit affects you. That affects every decision, every reaction that you have. Every reaction is a state of protection you had from your past and your childhood of some sort. There's a reason why you're going past your prefrontal cortex into the back of your brain of just no pause, just react. So if you can calm that reaction, have a pause, understand why you're feeling a certain way, and react out of a choice of how you want to. Feelings come up, but how you react can be a choice. So if you can work on that, then it helps. And a therapist can help you dig into that, ask you deeper questions, really focus on like bringing parts out of you that you didn't really know were there. And it's helped me a lot. A lot of people are like, you must be fucked up if you go to a therapist. I'm like, fuck that. I just want to be better. If I want to be the best version of myself on stage. I want to be the best version off stage. Quick, all can I do to be the best of myself? I'm not just going to wait till I'm fucked up to go to a therapist. I want to just go to it. So whatever that stigma is, that's a stigma I try and break all the time. And I openly talk about getting help and talking to people because it's helped me. I didn't have anybody around me that was at the top level of anything that said what you've said. I was creating my own path and coming from yeah. the world that we're both from, very blue collar. Mom and dad have worked hard and everything else. And we are the ones that have separated from yeah. the pack. My emotions were my emotions. I probably only cried in front of Ali a few times to this yeah. day. Yeah. I probably have said this more. I'd like to, but there's as soon as I get there, there's this fucking moment that shuts me down, and it's more of an ego than anything else. It's just to it's shut the fuck up. The protection, yeah, like you, it served a purpose. At one point in your life, you needed to protect yourself. Yeah. You had to create this wall to make sure that you were going to be safe. If your environment wasn't safe. You had to create this wall to protect yourself, and you needed it as a child. Mm -hmm. But as we grow up, we don't need that anymore. But it's still innate into how our brain functions, mm -hmm. and then you have to really work at digging that up and allowing it out. Because what I'm like still learning and working through is that our society really pushes individualism. Like, you focus on you, I'll focus on me, let's focus on ourselves. And then, like, a couple, we can come together once we're good and be good together, but focus on your shit together and, like, that. But I don't think human beings are wired for that. And I did for a long time. You know, I was a person, be like, you okay? I'm fine. I'm always fine. You know me, I'm good. I'm always, I can handle anything. And people are like, okay, Chris is good. Yeah. But then I started to be like, I started to feel alone and not seen. And, like, but I'm not letting myself be seen. So being able to understand the important that humans really need connection and that connection comes from sharing like vulnerability. Mm. Vulnerability, I've also learning. I'm just spitting random shit out at you right now. It's not just sharing hard shit, but allowing yourself to be seen in excitement and enjoy and goofy and like just being whatever is real to you. Because mm. a lot of people really struggle with that, of being their true selves all the time. Yeah. And it's comes from these protections we put on in our childhood for whatever we needed at the time. And now that we don't need it, it's still innate in us and you need to work through it. How many times have you probably, how many times you put on a face for the public and truly, a, I'm hurting. <laughs> I can't count. No idea. I try and share when I can, but I know I also don't feel an obligation anymore. And I did in the past to share to the public how I feel. I do, a, I try to help people because yeah. I know when I do, people are like, I, I'm struggling too. But I got to focus on me too at, my, at the end of the day. And my family, my close friends, Courtney, that's where I really try and open myself up to. But I'm not trying to put my whole life out into the world. So yeah. there are times where you have to do it, but there's definitely times where it's hard. And I'm, I can't imagine the amount of times you've had to do it over your years. We, we both can share them. Yeah. Relatable stories. But with, there's... One particular year, obviously, that I mentioned that Dallas died, that was a tough year for me. I had to be an autopilot, and we've lost mutual friends as well, and there's life goes on, but when you turn up at an event, the fans expect to see the best version of you. So you have to have a autopilot mechanism that goes on. Not to say that's fake, because you're still there, you're still present, you're still talking to your fans, and you're enjoying the experience. I love, I know both of yeah. us love it. We love to talk, and we love to hear stories, and we really engage with kids and stuff. But then there's been many times where it's, it's a tough thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going with this, but I think with anything else, there's things that you've said that I didn't even know myself, which even gives me much more respect for you because it's tough to have any notoriety, let alone what you've got. And then everybody wants you to be Mr. Positive all the time. 
Yeah. You've done a good job, like I said, of showcasing different things and being open, vulnerable, and also showing the best version of yourself. And again, that's one of the reasons why you've got 17 million followers, mate. It's fucking incredible. But mentioning Hani Rambod and also working with Ian, you've done, you guys first, I want to give kudos to Ian and what you guys both achieved from your very first show, prepping yeah. with your brother-in-law. Yeah. Was that tough at times? Did Christmas Day get any fucking shitty presents <laughs> after? <laughs> we definitely had some moments. Yeah. And nothing like bad, but like we were brothers. Yeah. So we fucking butt heads for sure. We're, in, yeah. we're brothers in the same realm doing a lot of the same shit. <laughs> doing the shit that already makes you pissed off and hungry all the time. So we butt heads, but yeah. I have the utmost love and respect for that man. There's like two men in my life who I like look up to, mm. Ian and my dad. Oh. Ian's the reason I was able to be successful at a young age and I came into that first show I did one and then climbed so quick. Mm. And the reason I didn't fuck up my health and do too much drugs, do too much stupid shit to be in my bodybuilding career was because of Ian. He is the reason I like always trained with someone mm. who was lifting two plates more than me on everything. So I pushed myself to be stronger mm. and better was because Ian was always stronger and bigger than me. So he pushed me, he taught me everything and like, the reason I got where I was in my career. So it was super grateful for him. I don't think I'd be where I am without him, at least not this. So very grateful for that. And that was a really tough decision to leave, to make that call. That was really hard, but... You called me. Yeah, I did. I did. I called you. There was I didn't call many people. I think I called like two people other than my family. And Appreciate you were one of that, them. bro. And I just needed some... I was like, fuck, man. It was tough. But luckily, it was a point where we weren't button heads, and I was like, we were talking, and it was like, I knew the last Olympia, it took away from his Olympia. Ah. <sighs> And we talk about a lot of my focus being so much on being able to enjoy the Olympia. And I took a step back at one point. I was like, he enjoyed his less because he was worrying about me. And this isn't just prepping I mean, yeah. someone into a show. This is prepping that, yeah. someone to win the fourth Classic Physique Olympia title. That's a lot. A lot of pressure on that. It's already, it's tough. Mm. So we had a conversation and I was like, and he never, he was never going to tell me like, I can't coach you because he was like, he was there for me if I needed him no matter what. But I didn't mm. want to take that away from him. So we talked and we came to a decision. It would be best for both of us. And he got, he actually did get to the point where he's like, I'm worried that I can't give you what you deserve. Like That's being a, able to focus on me, wow. I'm worried that I can't give you what you need to take your career to the next level and your physique to the next level. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be the one holding you back. And I was like, well, I don't want to hold you back from being able to focus on you for your shit. And then we're like, okay, fuck, let's, you know, had some bro tears and hugged it out and then went on to the, trying to figure out who's going to coach me next. And that was tough because he was the only person I ever had in my life. And I never wanted to go after some like guru or someone out there because I don't really trust shit I see on social media. So I had no idea where I was going to go. And then it wasn't until Pittsburgh Pro last year, so literally a year ago to this Friday, Pittsburgh Pro this Friday, that I was out down there and I was talking to Hani and he just talked to me about, we were talking about Derek Lunsford, had a crazy mental and physical transformation, just like Incredible. 180. Now he's just like crushing it. And we we're talking about some of that and just like mindset, He's worked with some business CEO people on yep. like training and mindset and just a lot of, he's focused a lot on mental, what he's talking about. And I didn't even tell him that's what I was super interested in. And I was like, fuck, this is just clicking right now. Mm. And we were just flowing. And he's a maniac. He's super outgoing, very extrovert. Yeah. I'm a little more quiet sometimes. And I, so I flow with people who are like crazy. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So we clicked off then. And then I held that in my back pocket and I was worried to pick someone because such it's a, it's a family. You're bringing someone into your family. The very intimate moments a lot of trust, very mm. serious. So I held off for a while from even asking Honey if he'd coach me. And then it was like August, four months out, three and a half months out, I called him and asked him to coach me. And he thought I just meant mentally help him. Because oh. I worded myself, well, I think maybe help me a bit here or that. And he's yeah. like, and then I called him a week later, we were talking, and I was like, coach me fully. Oh, And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I need to think about that. Oh, really? Yeah. And then he was like, I was like, oh, shit, okay. He put you on hold. He put me on hold, yeah. Yeah, fucking honey. Motherfucker. Honey right? probably put, hung up his. Yes. Okay. okay, okay. Do it. Hold it in. He's like calling that girl back too fast. <laughs> okay, I gotta just. No, hold but it uh, yeah, you spoke to me. We spoke about. You had one or two, maybe three names that you thought about. Yep. Honey was one of them. And uh, any one of them people, I said, because I know them either personally or. I can't say something else, otherwise yeah. they would know too much. But, <laughs> but I, well, I know the proof is in the pudding, right? You guys connected, like you said, there's yin yeah. to the yang, and you guys are hit it off, and both of you have got strengths, and both of you got weaknesses, and, and both of you, I feel, fill in each other's weaknesses and strengths and vice sure. versa. So yeah. it's, a, it's great to see. And, again, Hani is the most accomplished coach 
on the planet. He never had a classic physique title, I believe, right? So he's got men's physique, classic, open bodybuilding. Figure. 212 with Derek. 212. Figure. He's got, what has he got left to do now after that? Holy shit. Crazy, incredible, yeah, incredible. But yeah, it, it's exciting times for me. And with that said, now, where are you pre-existingly in your prep off-season? Where are you at? Tell, tell the viewers. What are you doing right now? I know you've been traveling. just come back from India. Yeah. You're in Vegas for the GNC convention. Are you in a true off-season yet, or is that to come? That's still to come. Okay. I'm still like, so I'm eating right, training right, supplements are low. Yeah. <laughs> just focusing on doing everything like as best as I can right now with all the travel. And then when I come back, I have one more trip to Italy. When I come back from that in June, I'm going full tilt, just locking everything in and focusing on it. Okay. But this is the best I've looked at this point in the year even, because I've always taken a lot of time off, like complete time off, like not even in the gym, taking nothing, barely eating, just lose too much weight. And I'm like, okay, let's maybe not go that hard this year. Let's just take a little bit of time off. So I'm I love sure Hani had a little involvement he, with he that did. too, he right? like, you fucking idiot. You took how much off last year? You're not doing that this year. I'm like, so luckily I held on to a lot. So the second I started pushing training a little bit, I just started putting size back on. So I don't really need, to, I maybe need to put on another five pounds to be like a little bit heavier than I was last year even. So I'm in, I'm at a great spot right now. I feel healthy. Mm. Body feels like young and no injuries. Yeah. Knock on wood, wherever that is. That's real wood. <laughs> That's real wood. Beautiful. And yeah, no, I just feel good. I gave my body yeah. the rest it needed. I feel healthy. And I'm honestly like mentally too excited to get back into the mode of pushing things again. So yeah. it's a good spot. Off camera, we had various different conversations and I just listen. And I will attest to that. We've been in many different countries, many different states around the world. And during this period. Yeah. And I would say that this is the best version of Chris. It's a fucking dangerous version of Chris. It's exciting, too. It's a yeah. dangerous version of Chris because all the other athletes right now have already started their off-season. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. They're already looking at you and be like, oh, this is my year. But what you don't realize is Chris is... Chris was eating Doritos this time last year on the sofa. <laughs> Let me just pick the picture of the narrative, sure, okay? Sure, you went, sure. Yeah, yeah, he sent me a photo of his belly was out. Courtney was calling me worried. Is he going to get back on stage? I took nothing that happened, but just make it a little interesting. I was trying to, yeah. But here we are now, and again, it's uh, it's very exciting for me now that I'm retired to see people who I have vested interest in and where they're at more than anything else mentally. I'm a mentalist, that's why we have this podcast. This is what I love to get into. I love to talk about the good, bad, the ugly, and the positive, and all of the above. What makes somebody great, and what was the click that got them there? Yep. And for you, you've covered so many different things. And you've just got a great ability to play chess, not checkers. And you've got so much. You can honestly touch wood on health. How much weight you got left in this class? How much weight do I have yeah. left? What are you at? Like two pounds. Two pounds. I ate, I ate the day of the show. So yeah. weigh-ins were at night less, which sucked Oh, my God. Yeah. At 8 p.m. I know you've had those. It sucked. <laughs> but I ate a little bit during that day. Yeah. So I still have probably three pounds. But again, you can stay, my point in saying all that is you can really stay. You're not over-dieting like I had to do to get into the class yet. Killing yourself. I'm on the edge of that. I'm right on the edge. You're there. Yeah. So that was like my third year. And then I ended up doing another four. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) How many more you think you got left? Or do you want to not answer that? My genuine answer is, I don't know. Yeah. I usually say the one more answer because. And when did you start saying that? And people are like, that's it? Last year? (laughs) I say that, that's it. I'm like, if I feel good, then one more after that. But I really am just focusing on one at a time. Okay. I like, luckily, I'm happy I didn't have a number in my head. I don't really give a shit how many I finish with. As long as I finish, I would like to finish on top. And as long as I finish with my health, I'm good. As If ever my health starts to go down, I'm out. Okay. I'm done. But it's luckily, it's been honestly getting better over the years. So I'm holding on to that. Yeah. And as soon as I lose the mental drive and the excitement to be a better version of myself, then I need to know when to check out. Okay. Because as soon as you learn, lose that like edge mm-hmm. mentally, you're not gonna you're not gonna show up like yourself. No you question. Know? You can't. And you've been doing a lot of different things outside of the box. Stem cells we spoke about, and you've been continuously taking them what every three months. Yeah, every quarter. Yeah. How much has that helped you with your career thus far? I think it's helped me a lot. It's really yeah. hard to say, and I try not to push it too much on people because, like, it's expensive. It is, yeah. And I don't want to say, you need to do this to be healthy because yeah. you don't. But I think for someone with an autoimmune condition, which is all about inflammation and systemic stem cells go, like, just flush your inflammation. Mm-hmm. So that's been super helpful for me, whether it's, say, injured, whatever. It's 
definitely helped a lot. I focus on my time off that I take. People might think is the deficit, but I mean, everyone I, in the top four, I think, at the Olympia did the Arnold. So they took a few weeks off and then jumped uh -huh. back into prep. Their bodies are beat up. I'm getting younger. I'm taking yeah. time off. I'm resting, staying healthy. I feel good. So I'm really like holding on to that. And that allows you to compete longer and stay healthy like indefinitely. So Absolutely. I'm just doing everything I can to kind of add to the longevity of my career. And, and when I'm done, still be healthy and live a full life afterwards. Matt, would love to talk for another 30 minutes, but I know that we have to get you out here. Literally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, uh, yeah. My producer just sent me a message on the teleprompter to be like, hey, listen, we got to get this guy out. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to tell the fans, talk about anything that's coming up that I've missed and I didn't talk about that the floor is yours? You can talk as long as you want, and if I hear something, I'll intervene, but the floor is yours now to talk about whatever you want. No, I'm pretty much good. I just I appreciate you having me on. You're a huge role model that I looked up to in my career for how you handled things mentally physically as well as honestly the business side of things of how you did it so you're a model that i look up to so i'm honestly grateful to be here happy to be on the podcast and just want to say thank you for all the inspiration you've given me over the years my man i think it's, it's a two-way street i've been very fortunate to follow your career all the way from when you won the super heavies yep. all the way into the transition of the creation of the classic physique and the battles you've had mentioning something that i didn't bring up earlier you said in one of your interviews the best placing was your second place and i say that too because that created a fucking animal inside me that again was ruthless the heart was back to front in every prep after that and i'm very proud of what you've created on stage it's a given but more off stage i've said this also many times before there was arnold schwarzenegger and there's chris bumstead and be after arnold there's been this lull period of excitement coming into the industry. And then the creation that, that came, Chris Bumstead has taken it to the next level. And I'm very proud of everything you've done, my friend. And I'm excited to sit back now as a retired athlete in the stand and get my little heart sent to me from the stage. Let me just, just point at you next year. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> my man, the four-time champ, Chris Bumstead. One and done. If he was in the trading card world, he's a one of one. That's for sure. Straight out there, we are out.